morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. And inside your bulletin today, you'll find our next installment in a series we've entitled The Gift. We're talking about the greatest gift that the world's ever seen. That's God's gift of his son. It's why we celebrate it at Christmas time. And so we looked about different aspects of, of what the gift means. And today we're talking about the fact that Jesus is the perfect gift for everyone. I mean, imagine if you could do your Christmas shopping, if you could find a gift that everyone loved, that everyone needed. And so if you have 15 people in your gift, you buy 15 of them, you're done. Wouldn't that not be awesome, okay? Well, uh, there is no gift like that. I mean, sometimes we try cash if we don't know what to get. And for some people, I mean, well, everybody honestly would say, I like cash. But, but the point is, is that, uh, you know, then it would show, oh, you didn't really put any thought in this. You just gave somebody cash. You can give somebody gift cards or you know, you try and you send people a ham and then you find out they've gone vegetarian and then, uh, you know, or somebody else, you get them something they're allergic to, like peanuts or something. You had this candy and so and they can't eat it. And you go, oh, how do you find the right gift? Well, what if there was a universal gift? Well, the Bible tells us that Christ is that gift. It's a gift that everyone needs and that'll bring joy to all people. In fact, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, that was part of the message. This is a gift for everyone. And today, I want us to get excited about Christmas, because this is good news for everyone. And so we're going to uh, look at the story of the angels who told the shepherds, who are outside of Bethlehem, that Jesus was born. Great news. I want you to hear all about it today. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And it certainly is our guide in how we practice our Christian celebrations of Christmas. And so, Father, I just pray that you will bless this day, that you will speak to us from the story of the angels and the shepherds, and you will teach us something we need to know so our hearts will be ready for your birthday, Lord Jesus. It's in the name of Christ we pray. And, Lord, I ask that you would speak and move me out of the way. Amen. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks, please raise your hand so you can take some notes as well. And I've already uh, tipped my hand on this one, but point one is simply this, that Jesus is the perfect gift for everyone. Here's how the story happened. Mary and Joseph have been holed up. They've been, uh, they're spending the night in a cave or a stable of some kind. And it was apparently a place where animals are kept because the only place they could put Jesus is in a little hay trough or a manger for a bed. So that night, this is from Luke chapter 2, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news or bring great joy to all people. And if you underline great joy to all people, that's where I'm getting the idea for this whole message. It's a perfect gift for everyone. Bring great joy to everyone. And that's what you want when you give somebody a gift to bring them great joy. You don't, want go, you don't want them to go, no, thank you, I'm allergic. Or give it to somebody else. I don't need it. Nobody wants that. You want to give a gift that will bring great joy. And the angel said, this is for everyone. Because the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And then suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So the night Jesus was born, some shepherds were watching their sheep outside of Bethlehem, about five miles south of Jerusalem, five, six miles. And what's so interesting about this is, is that after the angel had made the announcement, the whole sky was filled with the armies of heaven. All the angels of heaven joined in singing about this great news. You know, something I've discovered uh, doing some 
uh, research on this passage was that I'd never uncovered before was that when uh, in Palestine in those days when a uh, baby was to be born, friends and neighbors, if they felt it was imminent, they'd gather at the house. And if a little boy was born, it was a cause for real celebration because they could pass on the family name and other things. If it was a firstborn, it was a little boy and other things. It was a, it was a big deal. There would even be musicians and people, uh, minstrels or others who would show up and they would sing a song if it was a little boy, baby boy. Well, Joseph and Mary, as we've talked about, they're in a stable or a cave of some kind. They're all by themselves. Nobody's gathered. And so the armies of heaven sang the song that the little boy arrived. I mean, this was a very big deal. Because God himself had become flesh and come into the world. Now, what's interesting is, is last week, or a couple weeks ago, we talked about this was a thoughtful gift that God had been thinking about since the foundations of the world. None of this was by accident. I mean, it wasn't like Jesus was born. It's like, oh, man, we need to announce it. Anybody awake? This is the middle of the night. Oh, there's just some shepherds. Go find them. That's not the, what was going on. In fact, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, this was all part of God's design to communicate that this was good news for all people. And so in this message today, I just want to break out three groups. Could have put a hundred in here, but I want to pick out three uh, that I think are represented well by the shepherds because they would illustrate how this could be good news for everyone. First of all, when Jesus came, he was a perfect gift for people who are lost. And the reason I say that is the angels appeared to these shepherds the shepherds were watching sheep out in the fields. This wasn't downtown uh, Jerusalem. This wasn't in the temple. This wasn't a bunch of preachers or theologians or priests. This was a bunch of shepherds who were way off by themselves. They were far out in a dark place. That's where the message came, to people far away from the temple in a dark place. And what a picture that is for the ministry that Jesus gave. I mean, he came to reach out to people who are far away from God in a dark place. In fact, later in his ministry, when he called Matthew, who was a tax collector, a notorious sinner, to be one of his disciples, here's what Matthew wrote about this. This is from Matthew chapter 9. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. I mean, Matthew had lots of friends who were notorious sinners. And so he invited them along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees, who were the very religious people of the day saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, for I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And when he ate with Zacchaeus one night, he told everyone, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And so the good news the angels gave reminded us that the gift of God is a gift for everyone, and it's a gift for the lost. The Apostle Paul, when he was commenting on this, he reminds us that we're all sinners who need a Savior. This is the note in your outline. That's who we all are. Here's the way he put it. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. You know, Paul's the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. And he said, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. And that was a trustworthy saying. Could we read that trustworthy saying together out loud, please? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. 
Would you turn to the person next to you and say, you are the worst of them all? No, no, you, don't, you, do, not, you, do, you do not have to do that. Some of you had already made note of that to your spouse and go, wow, I have scriptural support for that. Okay. Um, yeah. And I'm the worst of them all. That's supposed to be personal, not to point out to anybody else. If the guy who wrote most of the New Testament felt that way, maybe we should feel that way. And the reason it's good news is because God reached out to us when we were far from him in a dark place. If you are glad that Jesus Christ came into the world to save lost sinners, would you say amen? amen? Yeah, that's why we sing stories about his, sing songs about his amazing grace. And we tell these stories over and over again. And the angels didn't appear at high noon, broad daylight, in the temple to the priests. They could have. Instead, they appeared late night to shepherds, far off in a dark place. Because this is good news for all people. By the way, here's another fun fact to know and tell. If they were guarding sheep outside of Bethlehem, guess where they raised uh, the sheep that were sacrificed in the temple each day, morning and evening, for the people's sins? Bethlehem. These shepherds might very well have been guarding sheep that would later be sacrificed for the sins of the people. And the announcement came that the Messiah whom John would later call, John the Baptist would later call the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sins of the people, was born just over the hill in Bethlehem. This story is good. It is real good. Jesus is a perfect gift for everyone. He's a perfect gift for, gift for lost people. Hey, if you know somebody who's far from God, far from the temple, in a dark place, Christmas is the best time to reach out to them. Don't you quit praying for them. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Disreputable sinners. And if we will never forget that he came to save us, and we will share that good news with others, oh, that makes God happy. Makes the angels sing. That brings us to point B. Jesus is a perfect gift for people who are least. People who are least. Least what? Least likely to have angels appear to them. <laughs> okay. I mean, you think of a high school yearbook, most likely to succeed, most likely to run a Fortune 500 company, most likely to be president. Well, these guys who are shepherds, yeah, that's not them. I mean, this is third shift. Watching sheep, protecting sheep from wandering off or from wolves or from bandits. I mean, you risk your life for a, a low-paying job. I mean, part of the interview for Shepherd was not, hey, where did you do your graduate studies? That wasn't part of this. Hey, what are your social skills like? And could we see an example of your etiquette? Okay, that wasn't part of this either. These would have been people low on the social totem pole. So he came for the least. When Jesus, when that baby Jesus grew up, Here's what he said when he began his ministry, Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Man, this was a wonderful thing. And God loved showing up to people not only when they were far away from the temple in a dark place, for people who were low on the social totem pole. 
These wouldn't have been people invited to any sophisticated parties in Jerusalem. These were people out watching sheep, just doing their jobs. Ordinary people. Now, what's also interesting is, is if you do this from a different angle, if you look at the tie-in with shepherds, and has God ever used shepherds before to do something important? Oh, yeah, a whole bunch of examples. Let me give you two. First, and that's the note here, God likes doing extraordinary things through ordinary shepherds. First of all, if you remember David, the guy who killed Goliath, here's what Psalm 7870 says about him. God chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. I mean, you can go and read this later, but when David... Uh, was just a teenager, just a young boy, basically. He went out to see his brothers, and his dad had sent him to carry some food to them. They were out in a battle. The Israelites, the Israelite army of which they were part of, was engaged in battle against the Philistines. And the Israelites were on one side of a valley, and the Philistines were on another, and neither side really wanted to begin the fight. But the Philistines had a secret weapon. They had this huge this freakishly huge soldier named Goliath who was nine feet tall. And he was their champion warrior. And he said, well, hey, we don't need everybody to fight. I'll represent the Philistines. You just pick one guy out of your ranks to fight me, and then we'll fight to the death. Whoever wins, it's winner take all. The rest of us don't even need to fight. And so every day for a month, over a month, he'd been doing this, and nobody would take him on. Well, David shows up with some supplies for his brothers, his older brothers, and he goes, how come nobody's fighting this Philistine? He's mocking you, and he's mocking God. And Goliath was. He said, you, you're the people of God. I don't believe it. I'm stronger than your God, and I'm stronger than you, and you're all a bunch of chickens. And David said, why are you all taking this? And so David himself out there, just a teenage boy, he ran out to meet the giant with a sling and a stone. And he did so in the name of God because he had faith that God would protect him. And God guided his stone, hit Goliath in the forehead. He fell face down in front of David. David ran over, pulled Goliath's own sword, and cut off his head with it. And the Israelites won a great victory that day. And God called David from the sheep pens. In fact, his brothers had said when he came out there, Who do you think you are? Why don't you go back and guard those sheep? God loves showing off with a shepherd boy. He also loved, so with a young shepherd, he also loved showing off with an old shepherd. In Exodus 3, Moses was the man who led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. But God called him while he was a shepherd. Here's what it says in Exodus 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. Nothing to do with the Beverly Hillbillies there, if you remember that show. Different Jethro. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And God spoke to him. Moses was 80 years old at the time. David had been a young boy. Moses was an old man. And Moses said, God, you got somebody, you got the wrong guy. I can't do it. And God said, you're exactly the right guy. He used a young boy. He used an old man. He loved to do extraordinary things through shepherds. And when the angels came, it was no accident. They came to the shepherds out in the, watching their flocks by night. These were people just doing their jobs, third shift. Because God loves to use ordinary people, and this was just perfect to communicate the message. Not high noon in the temple, not on the society pages, out in the pasture with a few shepherds, because God came for the least. If it's good news to you this morning that God uses ordinary people, and then he sent his son to save ordinary people, would you say amen? amen. It's good news. 
great joy for all the people. It's a perfect gift for everyone. And that brings us to point C. Jesus is also the perfect gift for people who are lonely. I'm assuming if you're awake watching sheep in the middle of nowhere at night, you're lonely. <laughs> okay? This was the days before Facebook. Okay, Nobody had a cell phone. And when shepherds are out there, my guess is they took shifts. A couple of them were awake while the rest of them slept. And this was a kind of a lonely post. You're on guard duty from this time to this time. And if you were the one awake when the angels came, you woke everybody else up, that's for sure. But it would have been a lonely post. And isn't it wonderful news to know that at Christmas time, we take great comfort in the fact that Jesus came for the lonely. I mean, what else would you mean of this? What else, what else would you make of this? Matthew one twenty three, when Joseph is told to take Mary as his wife, uh, the angel tells him in a dream that this fulfills a prophecy from Isaiah 7.14. The virgin will be with child to give birth to a son, and they would call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we'd circle God with us. That's the whole idea of Jesus coming. God putting skin on. God becoming human, becoming a baby. When Jesus um, concluded his ministry and he sent his disciples out, he said, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is with us. That's why in the note here, it's important to understand that Jesus understands us. He understands what we're going through. The writer of Hebrews says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he didn't sin. I mean, I love sharing the story of Christmas. I love sharing the passages that we just read right there, the good news of Emmanuel with people who come to me and they go, John 2016 or whatever year it's been in ministry, you know, 2016 was a horrible year. I was mistreated this last year. Do you think anybody understands? Good news. God was with us. If anybody understands what it's like to be mistreated, it's Jesus. He was beaten for our transgressions. He had a crown of thorns jammed on his head by people who were mocking him. Does he know what it's like to be mistreated? More than any of us will ever know. But John, you don't understand. I had loved ones desert me. I had loved ones leave me. Jesus understands. All of his disciples deserted him in his time of greatest need. Even when they said, we'll never desert you just a few hours before, they all ran and fled. But John, I had a loved one and my family die. Would God understand that? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. So whoever believes in him would not perish. Does God understand us? Does he understand what it's like to have a loved one die? He, gave his, he sent his son into the world so he could die. Unjustly, mistreated, alone. My friends, if there was ever a message of hope, it's at Christmas time. Because Jesus not only came for the lost and the least, he came for the lonely. To be with us to be one of us. He grew up. He spoke our language. He ate our food. He drank our water. He breathed our air. He knows what it's like to cry. He knows what it's like to feel pain. He understands everything we've gone through. There's no problem that we cannot bring to Jesus. And if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen?
I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people, for people who are far away from the temple in a deep, dark place, for people who are low on the social totem pole all the way to the top. Anybody can come. And I've become, and this is good news, that God becomes one of you so he understands the loneliest. He understands every problem we could go through. Oh, my friends, this is good news for all people. This is the perfect gift for everyone. And that's why the angels sang. Now that brings us to point two, because the story goes on. God's gift is too good to keep to ourselves. I mean, this is good news. This is a great gift. I want to tell everybody about it. Now, when the angels returned to heaven, this is Luke 2 continuing, the shepherds said to each other, well, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village, and they found Mary, Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger, just like the angel said. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Now, all who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. It's too good to keep to themselves. Now, to help us think about this, I put in here a little excerpt from 2 Kings 7. It's a story many of us don't know. But in Old Testament times, uh, God would send prophets. In this particular story, he has sent a prophet by the name of Elisha. Um, to the kings of the northern half of Israel, which had turned its back on God. And the prophets would warn them, please turn back to the God. God begs you to come back to him. He will provide for you. He will protect you. But if you insist on going your own way, he's going to allow you to fight your own battles, and then you will be overcome. He won't protect you anymore. And that's what had happened. The people of Israel had turned their backs on God and trusted in foreign gods, trusted in deliverance from foreign armies, and so the army of Aram, another country, had come and surrounded the capital city of Samaria, and they'd been under a siege for months. No commerce could go in and out, and pretty soon all the food stores and everything was completely depleted, and the people were starving to death inside the city. What also factors into the story is outside the city was a leper colony where people who had a contagious skin disease were sent. They couldn't be among the ordinary people because... Nobody wanted to catch the disease, so they lived outside the city, and the Arameans surrounded all of them. And if there was no food in the city, there was even less in the leper colony. And so we jump into the story here, and you'll see why I chose this in a minute, in 2 Kings 7, where four lepers have come to a desperate conclusion. It happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate of Samaria, and they said to one another, what are we doing here at death's door? If we enter the famine-struck city, we'll die. Because the people in the city, if you go into the city, they could stone you to death because they didn't want your disease. If we stay here, we'll die because we'll starve to death. So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram and throw ourselves on the mercy of the soldiers, the enemy soldiers. If they receive us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. We got nothing to lose. Be better to die by the sword than to starve to death. So after the sun went down, they got up and went into the camp of Aram. And when they got to the edge of the camp, surprise, not a man in the camp. For the Lord had made the enemy of Aram hear the sound of horses and a mighty army on the march. They told one another, the king of Israel must have hired kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. So panicked, they ran for their lives through the darkness, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys. The whole camp was just as it was. They ran for dear life. 
And these four lepers entered the camp and went into a tent. First they ate and drank, and then they grabbed some silver and gold and clothing and went off and hid it. They came back, entered another tent, looted it, again hiding their plunder. Finally, they said to one another, we shouldn't be doing this. This is a day of good news, and we're making it into a private party. If we wait around until morning, we'll get caught and punished. Come on, let's go tell the good news to the king's palace. These four lepers had been outcasts from society. Many of them had probably been bitter because they would never go back to their family and friends. And now they discovered food and drink and all this wealth after months of siege when everybody was starving to death. And they thought, oh, we got all this. And they started gorging themselves. And then they realized all the people, all our loved ones inside the city are starving to death. How can we keep this good news to ourselves? This isn't right. This isn't right. We need to tell people. God has done a mighty thing here. We need to tell people. Well, if that was true outside the gates of Samaria, how much more true is it when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords becomes a human baby and is born into our world? And the shepherd said, let's go see this thing. And it was exactly what the angel said. They said, we got to tell everybody. I'm listening to what the lepers said. We shouldn't be doing this. This is a day of good news, and we're making it into a private party. If we wait until morning and get caught, we'll be punished. Come on, let's go tell the good news to the king's palace. My friends, do you understand that you and I have good news? Point A, you and I must share the good news about Christ with people who are lost. Good news. Hey, if you are far from the temple and you're in a dark place, good news. Jesus came for you. Good news. I got good news for you. God isn't out to get you. God isn't interested in sending you to hell. God sent his son to rescue you. He's begging you to come. Come find new life. Come find forgiveness for your sins. Come get rid of all that guilt. Give your life to Jesus and he'll give you a brand new life, better than you ever dreamed about. If that's good news, would you say amen? This is good news, and we can tell people. I mean, we've got Christmas Eve services, and it's already been mentioned to you that we've got invitations in your bulletin, the times where there, we'll have services in Prattville and Pike Road and Mutumka. We've got all these things coming up. I can guarantee you, if you show up at any... Well, I can guarantee you all year long I'm going to brag on Jesus all the time, but I can tell you at Christmas time they won't, they won't get out of here without hearing good news. If you have a friend, if you have a brother, if you have a coworker, a fellow student who is far from God in a dark place, you bring them, you invite them, we'll tell them the good news together. Deal? Oh, that was the lamest thing ever. Okay. Oh, sure, whatever, if I can fit it in. Come on. Hey, if you got a friend who's far from God, we'll tell them about Jesus together. Deal? Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, do you understand that's why we do this? We, it's why we invite, open our doors every Sunday. We want to worship God, but we want to invite people in. We make it as user-friendly as we can here. Because we have good news. There are people all around us. They are lost, lost as Easter eggs. They are way out there in the dark. And for those of us who come into the light, we got to think like those lepers. Hey, this isn't right. This isn't a private party. This is good news. We need to tell people about this. The shepherds, they were way down on the totem pole. Yeah, but they told everybody. 
I mean, why would you be afraid to tell people good news? Pray about somebody you can bring to worship. If there's ever a time when people need to hear good news and it's easy to proclaim, it's Christmas time. By God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Paul in Ephesians 7. Paul in Colossians 1. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God's given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship with Christ. We get the privilege of presenting others to God. I get the privilege of telling my kids. I get the privilege of praying for my neighbors and telling them when the opportunity is right. I get the privilege of talking to my coworkers. This is good news, and it's not right if we keep it to ourselves. This is a gift for everybody. And when you get a great Christmas gift, you want to tell everybody, look at the new jacket I got. Well, this is, I didn't really get this, but, but if I did, I don't want to tell you. Point B, we must share God's kindness with people who are least. For the people who are low on the totem pole, we can show them kindness. I can, you can. The least. The least what? The least likely to have anybody care for them at Christmas time. Jesus talked about this again, the baby Jesus, when he grew up. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will cry, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. One of the great joys I have as a pastor is officiating at funerals for godly people who've been kind to people over decades in their life. And when I do their funerals and I get to uh, meet with a family and talk to friends, I a lot of times get emails or I'll get notes or cards or people grab me. Tell me at their funeral, you will say this. Please say this about them. Nobody knows this, but they helped me. That person tutored me so I could get my GED and they helped me get my first job. Nobody knows that, but I want everybody to know it. They wouldn't let me tell anybody because they didn't want anybody to know. They were just kind. All kinds of ordinary people, maintenance men, doctors, teachers, farmers, housewives. I find people from every walk of life and I do their funerals and people come out of the woodwork for godly people and they will say, they touched my life. They helped us make our finances meet. They kept us from losing our house. I will never forget that. They sat with me after my mom died. And they took me through a very dark place. And I don't know where I'd be without them. I'm telling you stuff that just make you weep with joy. And from that passage we just read here, they're getting a great reward in heaven. I love proclaiming that at their funeral. At Christmas time, I love it that there are all kinds of extra emphases put on this, so that's great. But it could be all year long because this is good news. Jesus came for the least, for the sick and in prison, for the scum, for the people low on the social totem pole. And if you and I receive this gift, well, that's too good to keep to ourselves. Let's share it. Let's reach out to some of those people. Let's ask God to show us people whom we need to reach out to. We're his hands and his feet. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love.
Galatians 5, 6. Paul says it's not all about ceremony. It's not about whether you've observed certain uh, things or not. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. He was talking about to the Galatians there who were being tricked into all kinds of observances of Old Testament law. He goes, that's not where it is. Finally, point C, we must share God's love with people who are lonely. And can I just add to that, if you'd also write in there, friendship? There are tons of people who are lonely this Christmas. might be the first Christmas since a divorce. First Christmas since their loved one passed away. First Christmas in a new city. Maybe they have to work Christmas. They're lonely. They'd give anything for somebody to offer them friendship, a place at the table. Kind word. Romans 12, here are a few verses. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Somebody's going through a hard time, a lonely time this Christmas, may mean the world to them if you just go sit with them and cry with them for a while. God places the lonely in families. Psalm 68, 6. If you know somebody who's lonely this Christmas, invite them to be part of your family. You might be the means where that first comes true in somebody's life. So might I. So, the angels told the shepherds, good news for all people everywhere. The Savior has come into the world. He's come to save lost people. That is the good news. The angels proclaimed it to shepherds who were far from the temple in a very dark place. We can proclaim the good news to people who are far from God in a very dark place too. Let's do it. The angels proclaimed this to the least. The shepherds were not on the top social, the rung of the social ladder. They were at the very bottom. We can reach out to people no matter where they are. Show them kindness. Show them respect. And for the lonely, we can extend friendship. My wife and I, our first ministry that we were part of was Young Life, a ministry to high school kids. And what they always said is, hey, if you struggle with defining how you would show unconditional love to someone, just put this there, put this word in instead. Just show them unconditional friendship. Be their friend no matter what. Works out about the same. What if you and I did that this Christmas? What if we did this this whole next year? That would be good news for the whole world. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that there is good news for the whole world that Jesus Christ is born. Lord, I want to go tell it on the mountain. I do. Over the hills and everywhere. And Father, I just pray that we will this Christmas, this whole year. I pray that you'd open our eyes to people around us who are lonely. I pray that you would open our eyes to people around us who are lost and we would not give up on them. You came to seek and save lost people. And Father, we would not think we're too high and mighty or too important to associate with ordinary people. You certainly didn't have that attitude. And so, God, I pray that you will uh, allow us to 
celebrate this Christmas like the angels did. Sharing good news, singing songs of joy to ordinary people. We pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, the Savior, who became one of us in order to save us. In the name of this Jesus, together we say, Amen.